This podcast is brought to you by UK Coaching, here for the coach. Visit ukcoaching.org to grow your coaching skills and be part of the community. This is a UK Coaching podcast. My name is Tom Hartley. I'm a senior coach developer. And this podcast has the focus of helping coaches understand the balance between coaching and the rest of their life. And on our call today, uh, we've got four coaches all working at different levels of participation. Um, and I'm going to ask them all to, to introduce themselves. Sorry, so I was just putting my tea down there, actually. <laughs> so um, my name is Chris Alderton. I am from the sport of swimming. Um, I currently coach as head coach of Team Bath AS Performance Swimming Team. Um, we have athletes from, I guess, you know, grassroots kind of coming in from learning to swim for the first time. And it's the first experience as a club and learning the ropes of that all the way through to uh, national and international level competitors. Um, we haven't got a huge coaching staff, so I kind of tend to be involved with all of them. So it's quite a, quite a handful at times, but you know, it's a, it's quite a good pathway and uh, a lot of experiences along the way. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. No worries. Uh, good morning. My name's Adrian Smith. Um, so I come from the world of, of football, dominantly, um, so, uh, sort of coaching more mentoring as well, working with coaches, developing coaches uh, along a, a broad aspect uh, in the coaching world. So currently working with AFC Sudbury, which is a semi-professional uh, club in Suffolk. Uh, previously to that, um, obviously worked with uh, Ipswich Town, with Gillingham, with Crystal Palace uh, as well, and also with, with the FA as a, a lead mentor with them. So quite a broad uh, aspect of coaching and now currently working with apprenticeships as well in sports. So yeah, quite a quite a diverse. So it's it's nice to have that breadth and knowledge within within coaching. Brilliant. Thank you, Adrian. That's awesome. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jordan Cottrell. I'm currently working for Middlesbrough Football Club Foundation. Um currently working in a school environment. Um teaching young people essentially the fundamentals of um, physical education, um, covering various different different topics, different sports. Um, definitely um, definitely a bit different to everyone else, but hopefully um, can share a bit more um, about that with you all today and my experiences. Awesome. Cheers, Jordan. And finally, James. Yes, I'm James Elkin. I'm a badminton coach um, based in Somerset. Uh, I'm self-employed. I've been um, full-time uh, professional coach and I work with all all abilities and ages so I, st- I work in schools that's the majority of my work um, I work with some international para badminton players um, and I tutor and assess for badminton England Brilliant, thank you James awesome, so look we've got um, four coaches who, who have a huge range of experience across lots of different sports um, and, and really looking forward to exploring that topic around the, the balance between boundaries in, in coaching and life. So to kick us off today, I was having this thought recently about as a coach, you never really stop being a coach. Don't step off the, the court or the pitch or come off poolside um, and then stop coaching or stop thinking about coaching. Um, and that, that sometimes it almost bleeds into all the other er- elements and areas of our life. Um, what, what are your thoughts, guys? What, what, what does that feel like for you in your world, and and how have you how have you been able to almost dial up and dial down the amount of time you you think and and reflect on your coaching outside of your time in your practice? So I just wanted to pick that up first because I was I was thinking about this when when we first talked about this podcast, and 
I remember when I first started coaching um, and taking that sort of life balance that I wanted to grab everything. I wasn't really sure where I was going in the coaching world. I knew I wanted to do football, but it wasn't just football. I didn't want to just do my FA badges. I wanted to do a lot more. So it was, it was trying to find the through the wilderness of what is useful and what's not useful, but how do you get rid of the not useful because you don't know it's not useful. So you end up doing everything and anything you can to try and be the best. And then it does engulf your life. And then you go, why did I do that course? What did I do that for? I've never used that course. I've never used that qualification. But the time you're learning to be a coach, you think you do. And you just grab everything. So it does engulf you. And it's really hard. I think it gets better now. Definitely. And I talk to some young coaches coming through. And, and they say, I'm going to do this course. I'm going to do that course. And I say to them, really think about what you want to do. It's great qualifications, but what benefit are they going to be for you? So that, that was always my first, having that, that balance was really hard when I first started out. Yeah, absolutely, Adrian. That, that word engulf really resonates. Um, I, think, I think you can see that, that even through this, this most recent period of time, through, through COVID and through lockdown, there's been so much out there for coaches to throw themselves into. And maybe yeah. because everybody's working at home, those boundaries between coaching and the rest of your life become even more blurred because there's, there's no clear on and off. Um, but you're right, there, there, is, there is so much out there and choosing what you do, when you do it, and what's going to help you on your journeys is, is really difficult. Does that feel similar to, to, to the, anyone else on the call? I'll just, I'll just jump in if that's okay, Tom. Um, yeah, of course, Chris. On, honestly, Adrian, so much of what you just said there rings so true. Um, you know, I mean, I'm only 10 years into my, my coaching journey, I guess you could call it. And, you know, early doors when I was trying to find my feet, I was, I threw myself into any opportunity. I think I was coaching, you know, 20 to two to 25 sessions per, per week just to try and, and get it all in. But definitely as you, as you go on and as you start realizing that how important your energy is, um, you know, there's a, there's a great book that I read actually in the lockdown called The Energy Bus by John Gordon. Um, great simple story but this the analogy of kind of you are in charge of your own energy and actually if you want people to come along on your journey you need to be able to bring that to you that kind of really got me thinking about how i use my time and um how i use uh you know the opportunities i do have to learn and, and adrian i absolutely agree picking the right ones and finding out how they link to your your coaching purpose i guess is is really important and uh definitely knocking you know knocking together what your purpose actually is as a coach i think is really important um so i mean i'd be interested to know guys if if, if any of you guys have have a purpose i guess you know if, if you feel like you're, you've got it written down <laughs> um yeah going away from um chris's point which we can come back to later i i think what i found is as i started coaching probably about 18 years ago as a, a full-time coach is that my social life started to disintegrate um, because I was working evenings. So therefore, my, my social life was with other badminton coaches and other badminton players. And it's always been, we're all in sport as players and coaches, and a lot of our friends are from that sport. But the more I coached, the less I had outside of, of badminton. Um, so therefore, when I was socialising, I was talking about badminton. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> so, and I think lockdown has taught me i hope that i've got to try to stop that i think i have done that reasonably well over the years but having friends outside of that circle so you can just talk about other things 
so whether it's talking about football or talking about TV. Um, but I think I'm going to, from now on, try to do more of that and just try to get away completely. Um, my, my partner's a Babington player, so that's so everything is talking about Babington. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to, I think, I think that in get, with coaches that happens, we just get so involved 24 hours a day uh, in, our, in our little world. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's it's one of those things, and I'm, I'm sure everybody listening to the call can resonate with that to an extent. Um, from from my experiences, I've worked in football, and my mates want to talk about football. So when I'm not coaching football, I'm talking about football, and everything just becomes the same. If you like it? It's very hard, isn't it, to to create that distinction? Jordan, from from your perspective, you're probably more recent into the world of coaching. Um, in terms of everyone on the call, how have you found that yourself in terms of navigating that balance and, and almost having that understanding between where the coaching stops and the rest of your life starts? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, um, you know, just it's a sport like any profession, isn't it? You know, if, you, if you're passionate about it, I think it's hard to, you know, take yourself away from that. And it's coaching such a, you know, it's such a full-on and intense environment sometimes. And I think when I'm in a school you know, kids are full of energy and, you know, you, you're very much a role model to those young people and whether it's at grassroots football or if it's, you know, if it's in swimming or, you know, what, I suppose whatever environment it is, you know, there's, there's a lot of passion there. There's a lot of, um, you know, you, you want to succeed and, you know, really change people's lives. So it can be hard to switch off, I think. And I'm only a few years into my coaching journey, but I think the hardest thing I've had is to kind of almost not feel guilty if I'm not thinking about work or not thinking about, what I should be doing because I think sometimes it's good to get away from it and it's just like anything in life you know you need breaks from things and the current climate's obviously allowed a bit of a an enforced break but um you know I think it's been okay with you know not thinking about it all the time and I think it's okay not to do that um it's it's good for you it's good for the mind and sometimes when you're not thinking about things you can actually you know think something might come into your mind I think it's important to you know, just kind of take that on when it when it comes in and um, it's definitely a, a challenge and I think it's something that I don't think I'll ever fully find the balance with because I think you're always kind of you know, chopping and changing and things can kind of can, can happen. But um, you know, I, I agree with what the, the gents have said as well. It's, uh, it's, it's you know, finding out what, you, what you're in it for as well and you know, kind of prioritising things. But um, it's definitely a learning progress for me. Jordan, there's two things you, you said there that I think are really interesting. And, and um, guys, if, if any of you kind of want to build on this, it'd be great to get your thoughts. But you talked about passion. And I was recording a podcast last week with uh, Joe Montemuro, who's the Arsenal women's first team manager. And, and something he said that stuck, stuck with me, because we we're talking about how coaches manage their emotions. He said, when I think of passion, I think of love. And almost he was saying, well, his passion for the game or his passion for coaching is just because he loves it and he wants to develop people so much. And I think as coaches, we're, we're, we're probably automatically other-centred. We're thinking about the best interests of other people first, which goes hand in hand with, with what you mentioned there about maybe not feeling guilty, about when you, when you step away from the pitch or you give yourself some space and some time, um, it's all right to do that. Um, it's not a bad thing to be able to do. do does anyone else kind of feel feel that or is that something that other people have experienced before so again i wanted to sort of jump in on that because i think it's really important because i think if you look at the courses that are going through now and i think sort of sports psychology is getting bigger and bigger and big as we move forward 
But again, that's reversing that sports psychology onto yourself and being a person you are. You look at UK coaching, the amount of courses we have now about the self-centered, about looking after yourself, about that understanding your mind and be able to to accept um, and understand why you can accept. And I think sometimes we don't do that enough as, as coaches because you're right, our passion is what's in front of us and not ourselves. Um, and if you take an analogy of, a, of a, a motor car, we take a car for service and an MOT, check the tyres, we check the oil on a regular basis to make sure it's running. And if you look at that analogy for ourselves, we just think we can keep running and running and running and running. Um, and eventually our oil is going to run out, our tyres are going to go flat. So I think, you know, John's absolutely right in what you said. We've, we've got to understand that taking that step back and giving ourselves a bit of time, it's not a bad thing. We would probably say that to a lot of you know, professional players, think of you swimmers, you badminton players, you footballers, we'd say to them, go and rest, rest and recoup, because it's really important. How many times have we actually said that to ourselves and not feel guilty? Yeah, um, you're completely right, Adrian. And that message perhaps we want to share and, and impart on others, we don't necessarily always, always take up ourselves. Um, and perhaps we've been in a period recently where everybody's been stopped from uh, going and coaching and there's been a lot of time to reflect, a lot of time to plan. But I really hope that when coaches go back into practice, they don't go and try and make up for lost time because reaching that stage of burnout and feeling like you're just exhausted um, could come around really quickly. I'm I guess interested again in terms of people's thoughts, but um, I'm sure we've all been there because we have that passion for coaching. Um, what what does what does that burnout feel like? And do you do do any of you recognise when you're getting closer and closer to feeling exhausted? I think I think for me, Tom, it's a lot of it. Very much comes down to how I emotionally manage even the most basic conversations, and, and I kind of just go with the flow and keep it positive most of the time. But I find definitively when I start getting snappy or um, frustrated at people specifically about very silly things as well. It, it, it almost becomes a very clear picture to me. Um, I almost feel a little bit fortunate that I've got quite a, uh, an obvious trigger in my own mind. Um, but when that does happen, and massively echoing what Jordan said, you know, I originally I wouldn't have given myself that time to step back. But now um, I definitely will. I'll take some days off or I'll move away from it and go, right, I'm not even going to read about things that I'm passionate about right now because that's just going to keep fueling this energy and I want to keep getting back and I just need to step away. So I've almost found, you know, diving into my other passions in life, um, things like music and and movies and things like that, diving into that when those times happen for me is quite a good release and a couple of days worth of that and then I'm normally back to to normal. It's definitely definitely a danger. (laughs) I'll definitely say that. (laughs) <laughs> on our video call right now I can see three people just nodding their heads to everything that you're saying um, James, from your experience yeah, sorry Tom I just wanted what Chris was saying about that and I think it's not just about the days are taking off it's about when you're actually coaching as well and be able to step back during that coaching process um, you know I, I've worked with lots of coaches who are uh, even when the kids are just playing football they're in their coaching still and it's that point of saying, just take a step back and watch. That's time for you and time for them as well. And even so, even during the coaching processes, we've got to learn to take that step back and get the time to ourselves. Sorry, Tom, I just, I just thought it was really important to remember it's not just about after the coaching, it's during that coaching as well. No, you're right, isn't it? And uh, there was a, 
a coach much wiser than me said the the only things you can really control in a in a coaching session is, is your practice design and your behaviors as a coach and actually yeah if sometimes sometimes we maybe get in the way of learning we get in the way of other people with their best interests at heart but by just not stopping and not taking a breath stepping back we, we don't give ourselves that opportunity um james from, from your world from your perspective what, do, do you have any strategies or, or or triggers to help you kind of reduce that burnout reduce that risk of getting to that stage where you feel absolutely well i think yeah and i agree with uh, adrian and, and chris it's about it's about recognizing that that time um and that's for me i've had sessions whereby i've, I've got a bit bored and there's two things there one I'm getting bored, which probably means the players are getting bored as well. So therefore, I have to think about changing, not only um, standing back sometimes, but changing something within the session. So therefore, that infuses me as well as them. I think that's important. Um, and also, as, as Adrian said, standing back within a session and just letting the players chill as well as you chill, because I know I've done it. Coaches can be quite intense and therefore... The players can't relax. And I think it's important that we sit back and learn. I think that's a skill. I think that's a big skill that I've learned is to do less. Um, at first, when I first started coaching, I always had to be giving feedback. I was always um, giving instruction. And hopefully, as I've got more experience, I've done less and less. The downside of that is that I've had parents say, well, why don't you give more feedback? So it's and not to, you know, so you've got to you've got to balance that and you've got to work with parents. But I think standing back is a great skill to have as a coach. Yeah, absolutely. And and maybe uh, making no intervention is almost an intervention in itself. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I I com completely agree. And I think that it, it's really important for coaches perhaps to be really mindful of how they feel when they're reaching a stage when they're emotionally tired, they're physically tired. And actually that's, that's not really helping their athletes as much as it possibly could. So, but being able to stop, being able to step out, being able to dive into some other interests is really valuable and is actually beneficial for you as a person. And then for the people you're trying to support, support the most. I know it's hard though. And I, I know as, as coaches that, like, like you said earlier, James, that a lot of our identity is wrapped up in, what we do as a coach if, if it was more badminton you you talked about badminton that's what what became a big focal point for your life jordan from from your perspective um and i know you work in football jordan how, how does that how does that resonate with you do you feel that there's a your your identity as a coach is is really tied up with you yourself jordan is football and your football coach or being able to step back and step away, does that, does that impact on it at all? Um, I think one thing that I did, you know, very early on and working for um, a football club foundation, wearing the badge, <clears throat> um, you definitely have that kind of, it's almost that, that stigma and that direct attachment where people look at you and, the, you know, they see the badge and, you know, rightfully so, they just think football. But I think what we try and do, um, and certainly what I try and do, um, working with the young people is to to kind of give a little bit more than that than just just the football side. I think one of the things about coaching is, you know, and certainly that fuels my reason for coaching is, you know, wanting to develop the, the people, wanting to develop the person rather than just the player. 
Um, because I think by doing that, you give them more chance of of success going forward long term. Um, but yeah, definitely, there's that kind of um, association almost, and that pressure to think. Oh, even when I first started, I was like, what 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 does a coach look like? And you know, some, you think of kind of a you know manager, or you know, maybe just stood there with the hands on the hips or something. But or maybe you feel like you have to constantly be um, active, um, you know, always giving giving feedback and. I think it's just being able to be comfortable within yourself and your values and, you know, kind of you know, going with it almost. I think you've got to back yourself and, you know, we're, you know, we're working in an environment where you may be, you know, trusting young people or athletes to, to, to have that belief and backing themselves. And I think you've got to do that the same because it, it definitely feeds off and, you know, the energy, especially when you're with young people, I think they, they definitely pick up on that. And I think as you get more experienced and, Again, I'm sure the, the chaps will be able to give a bit more of an insight than what I can after a few years. But I think that kind of resonates with them and then they can kind of, you know, pick up on that. But um, there's, there's definitely that attachment. I think it's just kind of getting past that initial pressure of being a coach and what everything, you know, what you feel like everything has to be when you're a coach. Like, it has to look perfect. It has to be working to plan all the time and you don't have to change anything. But really, that's rarely, if not ever, the case. So, um I don't know if anyone else has any more you know, views on that, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Jordan. Chris, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, I completely feel everything that, that Jordan's just talked about. You know, there, there, can be, there can be external pressures at times to, to try and be a certain way. Um, I, I know in my own coaching over the last four years, since I've kind of been seen as a, as a head coach, um, you know, the, f- the first kind of year or so, like all of my energy was about trying to kind of pick up the team and build this new, this new thing, this new entity, this new energy. And we did a, we did a great job of that. But then there was the temptation where it's like, oh, well, we could start focusing on results here. We could, we could really go somewhere. And I feel like that temptation always floats around in the background. And sometimes it can be internal. Sometimes it can be external. But I mean, as, as far as the identity part of this goes. I mean, I was very, I'm very fortunate, I think, as a, as an athlete when I was, when I was a swimmer myself, just after around 2008, when Beijing happened, um, I had quite a big identity crisis, um, wasn't really sure kind of where I wanted to go in the sport at the time and, um, was having a real big issue with kind of, um, how others perceived me, if that made sense. I, I had this reputation as an athlete of being a hard worker and someone who was kind of on a trajectory and, it was a difficult kind of identity to try and come to terms with and one that I didn't really, I didn't really know who I was outside of the sport. And I was fortunate to have, to one, have that happen to me so I can teach young athletes now that we are more than a sports person or a football player, an athlete, whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. We are so much more than that. And the example I try and lead is I'm a, you know, I'm a fiance first and foremost, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a son and a brother, secondly, or however you want to switch those around. Um, and, you know, sport and coaching, it's, it's so important in my life, but it's, it's not above those priorities. Um, you know, there'll be certain times in, in the week or in a month or a year where you'll have to wobble those around a little bit to make sure you fit everything in. But, you know, I'm always a fiancé first and then a, a son, brother, second. And, you know, there's, there's more to me and more to all of us than just this sport. And we're not, sport doesn't dictate who we are as people. And that's something I always want to try and teach, but it is a hard thing to live. <laughs> and it's a hard thing to learn as well along the way. And there's, there's a lot of speed bumps involved in it. Yeah, great sentiment, Chris. Um, our, our head of coaching 
Nick put put something out on a on a tweet on social media the other day, saying that he'd listened to lots of podcasts and and lots of webinars recently. And when people are asked to introduce themselves, they talk about where they work and where they have worked, rather than about who they are and what's important to them. And making the point that perhaps maybe we all fall into that mistake of identifying with our experiences or, or the organization that we work for, the badge on our chest, rather than what what's our coaching identity, what makes us what makes us tick. Um, Adrian, I, I know that, that you tutor and you, you support coaches on their, their development and their journey. Is there anything that you do through coach education and coach development um, that helps coaches really think about this for themselves when they're building their coaching philosophy or creating their identity as a coach? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I say is to be yourself. Don't, you know, there's lots of great coaches out there. They're probably great coaches and they've got an admiration to be as coaches, but it's, it's about being yourself. Um, you know, I, I, what the lessons that I learned when, when I was, when I was started off in the, in the world of coaching, um, is that, you know, I wanted to be like that tutor. I wanted to be like that, that coach that I saw, but being that person is unrealistic. Being yourself is the most realistic thing you can be. Um, so yeah, going back to Jordan's point, you know, if you're, it isn't, isn't straight you know you haven't got a, a totally neat 40 by 60 and it's all looking neat and fantastic but that's how you coach and that's how you are and you still get those results and people still come and enjoy it uh, and it's safe then why is that a major problem you know be yourself and that's what generally i say to a lot of a lot of coaches and even now when i when i work with uh, some of the football coaches as a mentor they'll they'll go well they'll name certain tutors and certain coaches and go well they do it this way they do it that way oh, great that's brilliant but you're not them. You do it the way that you find it best and the way that you connect with the people that you're coaching with. That's the most important thing because if you're not yourself, you're not going to connect with the people you're working with. And I think that's the biggest message. You can have all the technical knowledge, Tom. You can have all the tactical knowledge in the world. But if you don't understand it, you can't get it across to the people you're working with. What's the point in having it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and being that filter between all this knowledge and information and the the eight-year-old perhaps that you're coaching is is the is the quality of being a great coach, isn't it? It's, it's being the, the, the translating that message. Um, uh, it, so one thing I think we, we probably all experience from, from time to time is as coaches, we, we perhaps uh, work in lots of different environments. We, we, we're journeymen, if you like. We go, and, we go and set ourselves up coaching at this practice over here on this football pitch or, or swimming pool or whatever it might be. And then we move over to this court over here and we're working in different different physical places and, and different clubs and different organizations. And something I've experienced at times as well, actually, as a coach, even though you, you have maybe other coaches working around you or working on the, the court next door or, or, or next to you in the pool, um, you're sometimes you feel very much on your own and, and your, your world as a coach is quite isolated. Um, I'd be really interested if, if, um, if Chris, from, from your experiences, do you ever feel that? Is that something that, that kind of resonates with you? And, and if so, how, how have you remained connected with other coaches in your, in your community? To, to be honest, Tom, I think that's a great, it's a great kind of question and great, especially given the circumstances we've been in, a really interesting thing to, to think about. You know, there, there, are, there are certainly times, I mean, I, I work from home pretty much most of the time, obviously, apart from when I'm on the poolside coaching. Um, 
you know, which I quite like in a lot of ways. But, you know, when I'm sat here on my own and I've got no one to, to bounce ideas off, because that was my original scenario when in my previous uh, role, I was in an office full of S&C coaches, which was fascinating to say the least, listen to them uh, chat on about their various different thoughts and ideas. But you could always throw ideas around. And it was challenging to make that move to begin with. And, you know, there are certainly days, especially when you feel like, you know, in my, or whatever in my eyes would be a, you've had a bad day and you come home, sometimes it's stew, you stew on it a little bit and it's sometimes difficult to put across your feelings. And I think those are the times where sometimes I do feel like I'm the most isolated where, you know, I know people understand. I'm very fortunate to have a fiance that was an ex-swimmer. So she gets where I'm coming from. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to spend all of my time nagging her ear off about it, you know, and it can be difficult sometimes to, to kind of connect with people like that. But as I've, as I've grown and actually being involved with UK coaching um, on the, the Performance Foundation course and getting to know the mentors that were part of that, that's, that was a huge part of helping me understand the importance of having a tight network around you. Um, having just two or three people who are really close that you can just get things up your chest to and, and, and they'll talk to you on a level is, is really important. But um, I've definitely built a strong network and my coaches that work with me um, we're very collaborative now, even remotely. We, you know, I, I definitely threw a lot of things their way. I think there's a big perception with a, a head coach or a, or a manager of a football team, for example, that they need to make all of the choices all of the time. And that's something that I definitely try to, to not fall into, that I want the people around me to be part of that process. And that's kind of liberated me a lot from any particular isolation. That's great. I, I, I completely agree. I think perhaps having someone to, to just, just vent to perhaps after a practice or just, just get this, this information out there helps us maybe digest it and process it for ourselves. Um, I, I spent some time before coming to UK coaching, uh, working and coaching in prisons on a regular basis. Um, and there was a huge amount of emotional baggage that would come out with me. And I just have to ring someone up and just talk about it. And I didn't need them to say anything. I just needed them to be there. Um, because actually that helped me process it and, and make sense of it uh, along the way. Um, Jordan, from, from your perspective, I'm conscious that you work in lots of different schools and probably engage with, with lots of teachers. Um, is there anything that you do to kind of create that space for you to remain connected with, with other teachers or, or other coaches who, who are trying to do the similar, similar types of things as you? Yeah, it's interesting because part of our... Our job role is to actually upskill teachers. So when we're in that environment, we're kind of giving them the skill set to, you know, if, if, if we weren't in or if for whatever reason, you know, they, they had no, no coach available, that, you know, they would be comfortable to, to deliver. So we're kind of, you know, I guess in a way we're trying to inspire them. But it's important sometimes because, you know, I guess I get naturally you get kind of sucked into what you're doing and you focus on what, what you're doing. But I think it's important that, you know, I, I set that time aside to, you know, chat with the teacher and kind of discuss how I might engage, you know, some of the students who, you know, maybe aren't um, sport mad, if you like. So um, it, it can be hard to do, though, especially when you're in the environment. I think it's a bit different when I maybe move away from, from that and I go home or get in the car. And, you know, again, my, my girlfriend is not, not really in, in the coaching or anything. So if I, if I try and talk to her about it, she's kind of just looking at me, you know, thinking... <laughs> 
thinking, uh, you know, maybe shut up. But, um, you know, when I'm in that environment, I, I do try and get away from it if I can, just even if it's just, you know, a few, few more metres away, just to kind of step back and you know, observe things. And then if I can try and talk to a teacher as well, sometimes when I'm, when I'm talking to them, actually, I figure out something or I realise something myself. And it's just a different way rather than maybe just writing down how you thought it went, you know, actually speaking it. Um, even if it's to someone who's not really listening. Um, you know, that can be a good way to kind of get things out and actually have a bit more clarity on things. And as I said, it's just, I think it's just finding what works for you. Um, if you like that time on your own or if you need to be around people, I think for me personally, I, I don't like too much time on my own, but equally, I think it's important for everyone. I don't, it doesn't matter how introverted you are or extroverted. I think it's just about finding a good balance. It might be, that you need to speak to people maybe just once every few days or, you know, you might need to speak to people quite regularly. But um, I think for me, you know, it, it, I can I can kind of now start to manage both where I can reflect on things myself and if I'm in isolation or, you know, if if, if I can speak to someone else, that's fantastic as well. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting, this topic, actually. Yeah, absolutely, Jordan. And do you know what? One of those things, especially when you're working in schools and with teachers, I've always had that opinion that you go in, you step into that world, and teachers are experts at teaching and learning. It's what it's what their training's been about. They're brilliant at creating exciting learning environments in the classroom. And maybe as coaches, we can learn loads from them and, and their experience. And there's a there's a real crossover. Um, between between their world and our world and perhaps as coaches we can we can learn stuff if we if we look on the fringes of the things that we know um james from from your perspective um what one thing i'm curious about and and been thinking about recently as well as as coaches um we we have that we have that tendency that we want to really support our athletes but with that maybe the detriments of the way we feel and think sometimes but actually if you are connected with other coaches and there's an opportunity to share how you're feeling, work together to help that athlete improve. Um, you can take some of that pressure off yourself personally. From your experience, James, how have, how have you been able to almost create that space to be able to connect with others? I think, um, as I said before, because badminton, a lot of my friends are badminton players and badminton coaches, I think it's, I've created a, a network of, of friends that I know that at any stage I can chat to and hopefully they can chat to me uh, to, to overcome that, to, uh, to ask questions and just to just generally chat about problems we have. And over lockdown, it's, it's probably been even more important because um, we've been able to talk and keep each other company on the phone or via Zoom or via WhatsApp or whatever it may be um, to keep, just to keep our ideas going and to keep, new new thoughts going and also all the new things all the problems we've had over the last few months um i've also got the advantage i know adrian has as well of working with level ones and level twos on their courses and i find that is a, an amazing way of me learning new things and just getting to know new coaches and trying to in, try to, in, to encourage them to chat with each other and with me uh, so i'll get it's a great opportunity there that I can just meet new people and get their ideas. Uh, so I think that's also very useful. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I fully agree in the respect of however long you've been coaching or whatever level you work at as a coach, 
there's always something you're able to perhaps go and learn from others. There's learning in everything and within every element of, of what we do, which helps us develop and helps us, I guess, develop our identity, grow our confidence, all those other things that really support us becoming kind of coaches, not just of our sport, but of people, as, as, as you've all kind of articulated throughout the conversation. Look, guys, I think, I think the conversation's been fascinating. And in many respects, I'd love to talk to each of you for an hour about this topic, because I think there's so much uh, information in there that coaches can take away and really start reflecting on in their own worlds. And I think the, the kind of the headings that we've probably covered in the conversation around kind of the, the boundaries as our role of coach between, between coaching and the rest of our lives, working as part of a team and the, the the importance perhaps of having other coaches and other people around you to share stuff with, um, supporting our athletes and, and making some space for ourselves, not having that guilt, um, the need to be able to turn on and turn off sometimes and recognize when we're approaching um, our, our kind of burnout or, or those, those times when we're just emotionally and physically drained. Um, so lot, lots of different conversation points. So before we finish, um, I'd be really keen just to come to each of you um, and one, one of the things we, we talk about at UK Coaching is, is one thing I've learned. So if there was any information or, or advice or, or just insight that you would like to share with other coaches that has helped you on your journey, developing that, that balance between coaching and life or understanding those other topics that we've talked about today, it'd be brilliant just to hear a little bit more about it um, and something that you'd, you'd, you would encourage other coaches just to, to reflect on and think about for themselves. So, um, Adrian, if it's okay, we'll, we'll kick off with you um, and, and any any thoughts that you have on this. Yeah, I think, as I said before, it's the important thing I, I've learned, if I would, you know, go back and, as I say, to, to coaches now that are coming through, one thing I've learned is going back to that, just be yourself. Don't try and be somebody else. Um, you know, don't be afraid to make those mistakes and learn from them. Don't try and copy somebody else's sessions or... or um, and, uh, you know, anything like that, whatever they do, the way they talk, the way they act on, on a field or the poolside or whatever, just be yourself. And that, that's, that's, it sounds corny. It, it sounds a cliche, but I think it's the most thing you can be as a coach. Otherwise you will lose your way and you will burn really quickly because you're trying to be something you're not. Awesome. Thank you, Adrian. That's brilliant. Chris, what about yourself? Well, to, to be honest, it almost like kind of a jumping point off the back of what Adrian just said. Um, you know, one of the biggest turning points in my career was understanding what it meant to have a purpose in, in life or in coaching. And I think just trying to understand that for yourself, because to me, that becomes like a guiding light to everything that you do. Um, and it gives you, it's, it's almost like this moral compass, I guess, that you can use to, to navigate your way through and, and remember what's important. So you know, my, my purpose essentially is, is to inspire others to be the best version of themselves. Amazing. Chris, uh, almost about finding your North Star, I suppose, and, and following that. Um, there's some, some uh, resource on the UK coaching website around coaches thinking about how they develop their own philosophy as a coach. And, and one of the things we talk about in there is coaches reflecting on what is their why. So we all know what we do. We, we generally know how we do it. But do we really think back to what, what's the why? Why are we coaching in the way that we do? Um, what, what's the reason for us doing things in, in this way? So I think kind of having that purpose is, is a brilliant point, Chris. Thank you. 
Well, well so if I, if, I, if I may, just, just to plug a couple of big books that I think could really help that as well, is um, if anyone's not read Start With Why by Simon Sinek, that's a, that, you know, that kind of is what set me off on that. And also Coaching Better Every Season by a guy called Wade Gilbert. Absolutely brilliant. And the, the, the What Is Your Why, that Simon Sinek is exactly linked with what I was mentioning before. So awesome. Thanks, Chris. Uh, James, what, what would be that, that, that thing you'd pass on to other coaches? Um, yeah, I'm just thinking about, I think we, we as coaches have to think that we need to be at our best so that our players are our best. If we turn up tired, we're not eating properly, whatever that may be, then it's almost impossible to create that atmosphere and environment for our players. So it's not just about looking after ourselves for ourselves, it's about looking after ourselves for, our, for what our passion is. If we want to be our best and coach our best, we need to be healthy and mentally strong and mentally healthy. So, uh, yeah, look after yourselves and it will help your coaching. Brilliant. Absolutely. And, and James, I think, I think that's an awesome point for coaches to consider that perhaps we, we've, and we've talked about this already on the call, but we, we think about others first. But think, thinking about yourself and how ready are you for today and for the practice and feeling physically okay and, and emotionally and psychologically okay are, are both just as important. Um, so look, um, on that note, um, I'm going to say a massive thank you uh, to, to all four of you, Adrian, Chris, Jordan and James, uh, for giving up uh, your time this morning. Um, it's been brilliant to have you on the call um, and uh, wishing you lots of luck when you're returning to coaching uh, later on this year. Join us at ukcoaching.org. Whatever you're doing to help people be active and improve, we can help you deliver great coaching experiences at a time to suit you.